Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. We are back. Happy Hump Day. I'm Leslie Marshall, and he is back. We're glad to have him back. Nicholas Wapshot. Nicholas is opinion editor of Newsweek. He's also an author. His newest book is titled The Sphinx, Franklin Roosevelt, The Isolationist, and The Road to World War II. His book is available at www.norton.com forward slash books, also at amazon.com. Hey, Nicholas. Happy Hump Day. How are you, buddy? Very well, Leslie. Glad to have you back. Um, we uh, and glad to be back. Um, we have uh, a, a couple of things about what has happened um, in the most recent uh, states, and uh, there are a lot of people. When we look up, uh, when we look ahead to what's happening, uh, poll-wise and percentage-wise between Donald Trump uh, and Hillary. Um, but before we do that, let's take a look back as to what's happened this week in the great state of West Virginia. Uh, Bernie Sanders won that state. I don't think it was any big surprise when Hillary Clinton said she was going to get rid of coal mine and coal miners' jobs. I think that was a stupid remark to make. Uh, But here is Senator Sanders and his celebration with his win in West uh, Virginia. Let me begin uh, by giving you all some pretty good news. Last week, last week, we won a really great victory in Indiana. And tonight, it appears that we've won a big, big victory in West Virginia. take a moment to thank the people of West Virginia for the tremendous victory. I think it ends up being a double-digit victory tonight. And this is a state, West Virginia, where Hillary Clinton won by over 40 points against Barack Obama in 2008. Virginia is a working-class state, and like many other states in this country, including Oregon, working people are hurting. 
And what the people of West Virginia said tonight, and I believe the people of Oregon and Kentucky will say next week, is that we need an economy that works for all of us, not just the 1%. All right, let's uh, talk about that first before we have to listen to Donald Trump, I guess. Uh, anyway, uh, Nicholas Wobschatz with his opinion editor of Newsweek and author of The Sphinx, Franklin Roosevelt, The Isolationist, and The Road to World War II. Nicholas, a few things. One, big win, small state. Has to win, what, 67, 65 to 67% of the remaining delegates. We're not even talking superdelegates to beat Hillary. He wins the state. She walks away with more delegates. And they are a working class state. I think her comments really hurt her there. It is a union state, and she's uh, definitely in good uh, with the unions, has more union endorsement than Senator Sanders. But I thought it was funny, not funny, but ironic, and, and, and maybe not good for Senator Sanders to mention that she won by 40 percent in the state of West Virginia because she didn't become president. Barack Obama, the guy who lost West Virginia, did. Uh, If we're going to use that as, oh, look what could happen, look what did happen. Uh, Your thoughts on uh, Senator Sanders' win in West Virginia, and is that a game changer in any way, shape, or form for either he or Hillary? Neither. It's uh, it's very little importance. I'm sorry if you come from West Virginia, but uh, that's the truth. And, of course, actually, uh, Senator Sanders did touch upon the reason why he did better than Hillary uh, by mentioning the way that Hillary had trounced Obama last time round. This is a traditional blue-collar, largely white, aging population who are uh, voting Democrat. And uh, Senator Sanders has done pretty well with such people in the whole of the North. When it's, when it's cold outside, Bernie Sanders does pretty well. But if a state has a large number of African Americans and Hispanics and others, then he doesn't do so well. West Virginia doesn't have large populations of African Americans or Hispanics. And uh, it's true that Hillary made the error of pointing out that uh, the, the coal business was, is over. And it's true that coal has collapsed 80% in the last five years or so. I mean, coal is a, it really is going out of business. What Senator Sanders didn't do, of course, was try to explain to those coal miners who've spent a great deal of t- their lives underground and are amazingly hardworking and amazingly loyal to the Democratic Party over the years, is that actually this is beyond any single person. The fact is that there is a tide moving against fossil fuels, and he he was, I suppose, quite right not to get into it. But if you want to trade off green jobs in new energy sources as opposed to maintaining some of the most dangerous working conditions on earth, which is the, the sort of West Virginia coal mines and their wretched owners, uh, then that's an interesting debate. But he didn't get into it. Hillary touched on it, and uh, she may well have been punished for it. But when you come to it, I think it's mostly to do with the fact that the racial mix this race, alas, explains so much in American politics that the racial mix in West Virginia was always going to be good for Bernie. He's great with all white audiences. He's not so good in states where it's mixed up a bit. So it's going to be, you know, Oregon is also good territory for him, one would imagine. 
California, much less so, as we, as, as we may well discover. Either way, as you, you ask the question, what difference does it make? And the difference does it make not, not so much, because the fact is that Hillary did perfectly well in West Virginia. Yeah, sure, she was double-digit size. And, and Nicholas, to- Nicholas, Nicholas, quickly, because we've got to go to break, can you explain to people why the demographic, the composite racially, matters when we're looking at a general election in November? Uh, because you can't win the key states, uh, because the cosmopolitan states, which are the big states, like California, New York, and Florida, uh, and the, which are the deciding states, unless you can appeal to the whole range of Americans. And if you're purely uh, attracting white people, as Donald Trump will discover, there's a limit to how many people there are. And they are... As the years go on, they are... The number's getting smaller. <laughs> a much smaller number, a yeah. smaller percentage. So they're actually sort of backing the losing side in that sense. Uh, and unless Trump can reach out to African Americans and Hispanics, and he said so many horrible things about them, you wouldn't imagine they'd spend a minute thinking about it. But he, if we get on to Florida to discuss Florida, for instance, you know, he does have a sort of favorite son status in Florida to an extent, because he has a home there, one of many states he owns homes in, uh, and uh, is, you know, conspicuously has business there, and he does yep. employ people. Yeah, but he definitely look- has a presence in New York and Florida. Those are going to be two states to watch. Nicholas, quick break. We're going to come back, and speaking of Trump, we'll hear from him about his wins in West Virginia and Nebraska, what that means and what it may not mean. And uh, we will continue talking about this and also talking about the future and a race between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Nicholas Wapshot, opinion editor of Newsweek and author, is our guest. We'll be back with him right after this. Follow him on Twitter at nwapshot. Congratulations, you had a couple of big wins last night. Yeah, it was great. Two great states and great people, and uh, we really appreciate it. Well, everything really about Hillary is rigged. She looks like she's going to be able to run. That sounds to me like, you know, I mean, how can she run with what she did with emails? So that's maybe rigged. Who knows what's going on? The Democrats seem to control it. It's a horrible thing. And the election, every time you see it, this you know, I call him Crazy Bernie because he's not very good, but I, probably beating him would be easier. Who, who's going to run against a socialist and lose? I mean, he's a socialist. You're going to pay 95% tax. But, I'd love, you know, I'd love to run against him in one way, but right. there's something about running against Hillary that I really do. Sure, I I just just, just real quick, Tom, but he, he, he does better against you head-to-head than Hillary does. Well, I know, but I've never hit him, don't forget. I haven't right. started on him. I haven't said anything about him. I would start. Maybe I'm going to have to start based on, you know, I just see he wins, 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 and then everybody sits around the table saying he can't win. All right. Nicholas Wapshot's our guest, opinion editor of Newsweek and an author. As you know, that's Donald Trump. That was on Fox and Friends talking about his wins in West Virginia and uh, Nebraska. I mean, he's the only guy left. I mean, if he didn't win, that's a huge problem, one. And two, is he on to something there? Polls show that Bernie Sanders would do better over Hillary with Trump. Can the polls be believed when, like he said, he really hasn't gone after Bernie and neither have Republicans or uh, the media reported much negative about Senator Sanders. Uh, Nicholas, what do you say? Do you believe the polls that Senator Sanders would uh, do better uh, with Donald Trump? Because I do not. 
Uh, no, no, nor do I. My, my instinct on this, and like you, I've been looking at these elections for a very long time, and, and a, a lot of it you just get used to being able to work out what's likely to happen. I think that, in a way, Trump's right. There, there hasn't been any sort of uh, spotlight shone on Bernie Sanders because it's assumed that he won't be the nominee. Uh, if, you, if, you, if it was flipped, if it was the other way around, and it was Hillary chasing Bernie, then we would have heard a lot more about Bernie Sanders, and he would have been explored a lot more, and uh, what he's planning and how he's going to pay for it and so on would be explored a lot more at a national level, and therefore he would be in a more vulnerable position and therefore probably wouldn't be beating Trump or wouldn't be beating Trump as... He'd be on a level with Hillary, let's say. But what was going on in West Virginia is very interesting. The exit polls explain this, and that there's a lot of registered Democrats who are blue-collar workers, uh, miners, you know, work with their hands, and they were voting for Bernie because Bernie promised them that somehow that coal would be revived in the new millennium, uh, which is not true, but never mind. Uh, but when it comes to the general election, they said that, I think one in three of them roughly, said that they would vote for Trump. So I think that actually Trump is onto something about those blue-collar, white uh, people and, and, in, 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 in old industries. You know, and I agree, and I agree with you. I agree with you. Nicholas, there are people out there, you know, pundits, uh, you know, like me, uh, but, I mean, people out there that said West Virginia is going to, you know, show if Republicans will back Donald Trump. I think West Virginia is perhaps the worst example if Republicans would back Trump because I think I think Trump was going to do well in West Virginia even if the other two guys or even if the other half a dozen of them were still in the game. Yeah, exactly. And there are quite a lot of states. And and, and it's actually, that's the fact that Trump is sort of hanging his chances on. Are there enough states like New Jersey or like Pennsylvania, which still has a large number of smokestack industries, lots of people threatened with unemployment, if if not unemployed already, people up the age range, white, uh, feel disappointed with their lives. They feel that the country's let them down because the industry which they started out probably in their teenage years and they've got to 55 or something, and then there's no more work. And I think that, yeah, they're angry and they're irritated, and they've traditionally, because of the unions and so on, they've been democratic. But when Trump comes along and in simple-minded language says, you know, don't worry, you know, I mean, he, he went to West Virginia, and he promised them that somehow he's going to put all of the coal mines back in business. He knows that's a lie. If they thought about it for and a if, and, and the coal miners aren't listening to it. This guy is, is very anti-union, very big on right to work. I don't even think he knows what the difference is, quite frankly. But, I mean, that's not going to help the union coal workers? Certainly not. No, and it makes no sense at all. And I would guess, though, that there will be, you know, the, the fact is that union leadership that actually knows what's what, right. and they mostly support Hillary, as you know, uh, they find it very difficult to discipline their members and actually get them to vote in the way that they would prefer. And particularly in places like West Virginia, where, you know, just the tide has gone out on the sorts of things that, that the sort of jobs that West Virginians used to do. Uh, and Trump's taking advantage of that as he's taking advantage uh, of similar sorts of places dotted throughout the Northeast, uh, you know, places which these, these are all uh, businesses like steel, uh, like manufacturing on a big scale. That's, uh, it's quite right. Trump says it's gone overseas. It's gone overseas because that's the nature of uh, the way that the whole world has gone. The world has become a smaller place. The world is now trading with each other much more. You don't need to employ expensive Americans if you can employ cheaper Vietnamese to build cars. And we've got over that. The fact is that notwithstanding what Trump says and indeed what Bernie says, uh, over time, uh, the 
uh, free trade uh, works in Americans' favor because Americans are, on the whole, educated. They're better educated than the people who have taken their manual jobs from them. And the people who are washed up and the people who are left without representation, in a way, are those people, those manual laborers who are... Uh, uh, been disappointed with the way that the economy has gone. Sure, their jobs may well have gone overseas. They are too old to retrain, or maybe they were never particularly academic in the first place. The fact is that uh, in a free trade world, sophisticated economies like uh, the United States and like Europe and so on can do immensely well because they educate their people. But they have to educate their people. And I think there's no doubt that there are a number of states all over the United States that haven't educated their people for the 21st century. Instead, they've been happy to uh, give them poor schooling, yep. uh, not put, put enough in to, uh, to actually make them equipped in order to face the, the new economy. But as for both Bernie and uh, Trump saying that we're going to, you know, return to some sort of isolation, put up the barriers, build a wall, keep everybody out, and then just run the United States on its own, uh, the economy will go bust. What's more, you know, you want an iPod that it's going to cost you, you know, $550. Right. Right. You know, you want a MacBook that's going to cost $5,000. You want a car that costs twice as much, you know. Americans will soon find that their wages, go, their salaries go nowhere if the cheap goods that uh, putting jobs abroad is provided for them. So everybody will demand a pay rise because now they can't afford the things that they used to afford. Think of all of that produce that comes in from Mexico that we all live on. Wonderful fruit and vegetable, fresh, flown in directly. Well, if there's a wall up or if he puts a, a, a tariff on it, that's all going to stop, in which case the price of food is going to go up. Basic things are going to go up. And so he's going to run slap bang in the middle of a, an inflation crisis that, uh, that only Jimmy Carter can imagine the horrors of. Double-digit inflation as everything goes up because we're, suddenly we're employing Americans to do jobs that used to be done much more economically elsewhere. And actually, Americans shouldn't be doing that. I mean, Americans should be doing the, the difficult jobs. They should be doing the jobs that you need an education for. And of course, it does benefit younger people because, on the whole, they've spotted what's going on. And it does hurt, harm, hurt, uh, cause enormous pain to uh, people up the age range who used to be in a manual job only to find that actually it's cheaper if it's done abroad. Uh, let's talk about the general election. I mean, I think we all know that it will be Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, at least if you look at numbers for now. I mean, unless California goes to Senator Sanders, and even then he's really going to get those other states and the superdelegates to swing over. So, uh, you know, we're just, you know, half a year away from the uh, national uh, election in November, uh, less than. Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, when you look at the polls, they're effectively – uh, tied in the swing states of Florida, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Now, this is according to results of a Quinnipiac University survey that was released yesterday. We posted on Twitter that Quinnipiac poll shows Clinton and Trump equal in key swing states of Florida, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Is reality different than the poll? Matthew tweets, Problem is the poll made the ridiculous assumption those states' electorates are going to be about 5% whiter than 2012 and that the on-the-ground evidence from new voter registrations suggests exactly the opposite. What do you say? Well, first of all, I should say that all polling is uh, becoming rather less accurate as time goes on. 
And that's because the traditional way of, of approaching people uh, is through a landline telephone, which means that you don't get anybody under the age of 30 because they don't have a landline. In fact, probably, you know, as, as, as the months go on, that age range goes up and up and up and up. Uh, so actually, it is notoriously difficult nowadays to actually get hold of anybody to answer a, a, a survey. And in as much as people can be bothered to do it, they are older people and uh, more established people. So it tilts it in a, in a different uh, direction. Now, uh, also, the warning of all opinion polls is that you shouldn't ever just look at one poll. And this is Quinnipiac, which is out of kilter with all of the other polls in terms of exactly what would happen in the general election race at the moment. It's just a snapshot. You've got to look at the, the moving picture. If, we get, if all the other polls come into line, then it might be worth looking at seriously exactly why, uh, if it is the case that they're running neck and neck, it, it, it's true. I find it particularly hard in Florida to, be, for, to believe that it's the case, I must say, because very large Latino population, they were offended from the minute that Trump uh, announced his candidature because he accused uh, people like them of being rapists and drug dealers and all the rest of it, and uh, they, they're hurting. If you look at the, how Hispanics and how they're likely to vote, Hillary's gotten buttoned up. I mean, it's, I don't know how he can ever get back into that. Sure, he does have one foot, at least, in Florida. But, I mean, the local bigwigs, and we're talking about Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio, well, Marco Rubio says he will support Trump, but, you know, he's got his fingers crossed behind his back, and Jeb Bush is certainly not going to. So the established people in Florida are not going to help Trump at all. No, no, but Nicholas, Nicholas do you think so? See, I think I think Republicans, and no offense to Republicans who don't fit this, I'm making a mass generalization, but I, I think Republican politicians, for the most part, are spineless. And as a matter of fact, many Democrats as well. But I, I think that a lot of politicians, Republicans especially, are spineless. And I think at the end of the day, the reason Paul Ryan goes, I'm not, I'm not backing him for now. He's giving himself a window or an out. Uh, Jeb Bush, you know, he hates him. Maybe he won't back him. And some people say, well, he can raise money, but he really doesn't bring, you know, a lot of votes to the table. And like you said, Marco Rubio and even Ted Cruz and, and Donald Trump have now said nicer things about each other. When it comes to the possibility of a promise of a VP place on the ticket or even a, you know, a cabinet uh, position or Supreme Court position uh, being promised by somebody like uh, Donald Trump, who will be the Republic, is the presumptive uh, Republican nominee, uh, they, they do a complete about face and, you know, bend over for the guy they hated and probably still do hate. They just care more about their party than they do what would happen to their nation. Well, I guess that's true of all politicians in a way. They're much more fond of their party and themselves, by the way, than they are the nation. But I don't entirely agree with you about how spineless the Republicans are. I've been shocked by the number of prominent Republicans who've just said, in no circumstances can I ever support Donald Trump. I'm not going to vote for him. Even if I have to hold my nose and vote for Hillary, I'm not going to vote for Trump. And that's not spineless. This is, I mean, we are going through a, a very extraordinary historic period right now where having chosen the nominee, Republicans uh, on the Hill are running backwards as fast as they can. The, the, it suits some of them to support, you know, John McCain. Who, who would imagine that John McCain, wouldn't you imagine he had a little more pride uh, than, than uh, supporting the person who said he wasn't a hero because he got caught by the North Vietnamese? I mean, what a disgusting thing to have said. Yet McCain is, he's got an election in November too, and he doesn't want to risk irritating Republican voters. 
by saying that he's against Trump, because a lot of people will. They are loyal to their party more than they are to their nation. And so they will blame him for it. So he's got to say, token, I will support Donald Trump. But does that mean he will go out and... Uh, uh, campaign for him? Does that mean he'll raise money for him? Absolutely not. And I think that there are so many so-called establishment Republicans that used to be in charge just 10 years ago, for goodness sake, and they're just, they're going to sit on their hands. And the invisible people, that is the big money donors in the Republican Party, they will not get their checkbooks out. And it's going to cost a billion dollars minimum to, to confront Hillary Clinton in November. And I don't think that Trump will come up with the money. And I don't think he'll find it very easy because he said too many disgusting things about too many people. And as for promises, I mean, what is the point of getting a cabinet post promise from someone who you don't believe is going to win the election? So, it, it's, I mean, he can promise what he wants. Because so, so this, this is what concerns me. We've seen his approval rating um, continue to be very bad, yet we've seen the number of people in the Republican Party um, registered and, and, you know, Republican, uh, whether, you know, voters, whether they're coming out to vote in the primaries and caucuses or not, they are um, growing in number of support. It's now about half. It used to be like you know, hovering around 29, 30 percent. Now you got between 49 and 51 percent, depending on what poll you look at. And of course, like you said, if you believe it. The other thing that bothers me is when a majority of Americans polled, regardless of the Republicans or Democrat, are registered, who like his ban the Muslim idea. Um, this concerns me, and I say that not just ban the Muslim idea, um, because I, I think there are a lot of people out there, even Democrats, who are afraid to admit that they, they like that idea of, hey, build a damn wall, and I do think they're rapists and murderers coming from Mexico's and we gotta, Mexico, and we've got to keep the Muslims out. They're all terrorists. I do think that there are, and not even lower information and uneducated, poorly educated voters, I do think there are people out there who feel this way because they're afraid they need to hate and need to blame and, hey, i got a, a whole bunch of brown people there to blame and would cast their vote for Donald Trump, especially in a state like Florida, which in the central to northern part is very red-minded. Uh, yep, yeah, everything that you say is true. Uh, at the same time, though, and, and there's, there's no doubt, the, one of the most alarming things about the rise of Trump isn't so much that Trump remains Trump. I mean, he's been a loathsome person for a very long time. That's no news. It's the number of people who are actually prepared to go along with the nonsense that he speaks. And that's frightening, because that's more Americans than we would like to believe have these views. On the other hand, it's not surprising, is it, that all of those people who have hated the last seven years because they hate Obama simply because he's black? There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. And they are going to... They're easy prey for Trump. They, they already agree with Trump. They, they, that sort of, I, you know, I don't like to be PC. What he means is I don't like to being stopped from saying openly racist things, particularly about Obama. Look at the birther nonsense that Trump uh, led. It, it, it entirely fills in, fits in with those dog whistle uh, racist voters who maybe among themselves can talk like that, but in open society and polite society, they can't talk like that. So I think that uh, Trump, Trump is onto something, isn't he? There's, there's no doubt. But try to work this out. First of all, the Republican Party is the minority party in this country. The registered Republicans is substantially smaller than the re registered Democrats. And 
of that number, he's attracting, well, now there's no one else in the race, he's attracting 50%. But until now, it's been 30 to 40 to top whack 45%. So he actually hasn't even attracted a majority of uh, Republican voters. What's more, he does much better in states where people can either register to vote and call themselves a Republican at the last minute, or among independents who can vote either way. People who are not registered to vote until they can vote for Donald Trump, so they go along and get registered. That might be fine, but it's very, very difficult to get those people to come out for a second time in November. People who are not used to the electoral process, who are not... who are uh, disenchanted with politics and therefore have been imagine themselves excluded from politics because they've never taken part, they suddenly find a rabble-rousing populist like Trump and they'll go and vote, or at least they will vote in the primary. But we found even with younger people, they were happy to come out in the primaries when it comes to the general election, not so much. And, and, and a lot of those young people aren't even uh, registering as Democrats or as Republicans. Unfortunately, we're seeing exodus away from parties, or fortunately, Nicholas, love you. Nicholas Wapshaw opinion editor of Newsweek and author. His book is The Sphinx, Franklin Roosevelt, The Isolationist and the Road to World War II. Buy it at www.norton.com forward slash books or amazon.com. Follow him on Twitter at nwapshot, that's N-W-A-P-S-H-O-T-T. And he writes as uh, for Newsweek as opinion editor. Go to newsweek.com.